The reading is taken from Matthew's Gospel. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. It's a funny thing, Christmas, isn't it? Here we are, middle of the winter. Half of us are wearing these funny Christmas jumpers. And uh, apparently 91% of women will have bought a new outfit for Christmas. So uh, if that's you, that's the national average, so uh, it's okay. And if you haven't got one, there's still time. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and we've, uh, we've decorated our houses as well, haven't we? Um, perhaps like this one. Or maybe not quite as uh, dramatically as that. Actually, I have to say, um, if you live at 60 Holmes Avenue, thank you. You've got a great tree in your front garden. I love the lights, and it just brightens up my day or my evening every time I cross the road. And uh, it's great. Uh, Christmas is a good time, isn't it? Children are bursting with excitement. And here we are doing something we only normally do at the Amex. Singing with a bunch of strangers. (laughs) So, uh, and most of us quite like Christmas. I mean, I know there will be some who say, no, I don't like Christmas, and I'm looking forward to January the 2nd and getting back to work. But for most of us, we quite like Christmas, and, uh, uh, and some of us absolutely love it. And I'm one of them, I have to say. I love Christmas. I love Christmas lunch. I love, uh, for some reason, I, I'm the one who cooks the uh, bubble and squeak on Boxing Day, so I love doing that. I, I love opening presents in front of uh, the log fire. Uh, I'm, I'm normally the one who's uh, sitting on the floor and sorting out the wrapping paper as well. I love all that. love having the, uh, the family to stay. I uh, love singing Christmas carols. And uh, they always get me, especially when you girls do the descants, and I have to stop singing. Um, and I think, uh, I think Christmas is absolutely wonderful. Now, our reading there that David just read from Matthew's Gospel <clears throat> gives us two reasons why Christmas is absolutely wonderful. There are lots of reasons for it, but there are two here I'd just like to, uh, just like to point out as we think this evening about a wonderful Christmas, just fairly briefly. And uh, uh, so there are plenty of reasons, but let's look at two of them this evening. The first one is this, a wonderful conception. A wonderful conception. Uh, 
Now, Christmas is a time when we, we'll often think, won't we, about uh, the Virgin Mary or the Virgin Birth and so on. Uh, and you look at verse 25 in our reading there, just at the end of it, and it says that he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So it does say that Mary was still a virgin when Jesus was born. But let's go back nine months or so. And then let's see what was going on then. Because uh, uh, I just want us to think uh, uh, for a few moments about this, this wonderful conception which happened about nine months before Jesus' birth. Mary got pregnant and she was still a virgin. Now, how did that happen? Now, we've got no idea what Mary and Joseph looked like, but uh, perhaps it was something like that. Who knows? Um, and it says at the beginning of our reading, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. That was, uh, in kind of more legal language in those days, betrothed. Now, from time to time, it's sad and it's difficult these days, but if a, an engagement uh, comes to an end and the couple decide to break it off, that's a difficult time, isn't it? But in those days, if you broke off a betrothal, you would have to get a divorce. And by the way, they were very young. They were most likely teenagers. In fact, I read something a couple of weeks back which suggested that Mary could have been even as young as 12. Year 8. They were very, very young. And uh, imagine this conversation. Joseph, I've got some rather disturbing news. I mean, we know we haven't slept together yet and I certainly haven't slept with anyone uh, else, but I missed my period last month and I haven't had a period this month either and I'm feeling a bit sick at breakfast time and I know it can't be but I guess this is what it feels like to be pregnant. Now Joseph has a real problem because on the one hand he could at this point denounce Mary he could have said, well, I'm sorry, but I'm off. I'm out of here. You are clearly an adulteress, and I'm having nothing to do with you. And he could have publicly denounced her and left her. And actually, in those days, if you were convicted of adultery, they could decide that you should have the death penalty, which would be death by stoning. So Joseph's in a really difficult situation here. Uh, or the, on the other hand, he could take Mary home as his wife. And if he did that, then he was going to live with question marks and damage to his reputation for the rest of his life. And then, an angel appeared. And said, Joseph, this is a wonderful conception. It's all right. The Holy Spirit has done this. Mary is true to her words. Take Mary home as your wife. She is pregnant. It's a boy. And you are going to call him Jesus. It's a wonderful conception. Nice story. So what? Does it really matter? Who cares anyway? Well, I want to say, it's actually really rather important. 
In fact, it's actually incredibly important because this wonderful conception means that this baby Jesus is both God and human at the same time. He's 100% human and yet he's also 100% God at the same time. And it's because of this wonderful conception. And why is that important? Well, there's a guy called Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, who once wrote this. If Jesus Christ is not true God, how could he help us? And if he is not true man, how could he help us? And because Jesus is both true God and true man, it meant that he could truly help us. Now, you thought, didn't you? I'm going to go to Carol's by Candlelight, going to sing some carols, going to soak up the atmosphere, going to enjoy the choir. And it's the start of Christmas, and I'm going to be all right because I'm not going to get a theology lecture. I just want to say, look, this is, in, this is incredibly important, and this wonderful conception means that Jesus is both God and man at the same time. He's God becoming a human being. He's God taking flesh and blood. He's God becoming one of us. It's God here. It's these people speaking to God, people having breakfast with God. People crying on God's shoulder. People being healed by God. People knowing God. People living with God. People seeing God die. People being there after God had been raised from the dead. Once someone has written this, Jesus is God spelling himself out in a language that man can understand. It is a wonderful conception. It is simply a wonderful conception that made all that possible. So that's the first thing. That's the first thing about wonderful Christmas. The second thing about this wonderful Christmas is this, that Jesus is a wonderful saviour. Now, one of the um, kind of occupational hazards of clergymen is that you tend to get a load of godchildren. Now, that's a good thing, okay? We like having lots of godchildren. And uh, uh, one of my godsons is uh, a guy called Dave, okay? Uh, here is uh, Dave. He is, uh, uh, well, he has been a professional rugby player, okay? He's built like a brick outhouse, um, and uh, he used to play tight head prop. That's front row of the scrum, holding the whole thing together. That's Dave, okay? And uh, um, now, look, when we sit down on Christmas Day for lunch, Dave and a friend of his called Max Thorpe will be in the middle of the Atlantic, and they won't be on a cruise. They are now, right now in a rowing boat, taking part in a race across the Atlantic. And uh, um, here they are. That's uh, Dave and Max. I'm not quite sure how they're going to row across the Atlantic with one oar. But anyway, um, I'm sure they'll manage. Dave is there on, on the right. And uh, so they're taking part in this race. Uh, there are single-handed people. There are pairs. There are threes. I know he can row in three without going around in circles. But anyway, uh, fours and fives. And at the moment, they're 110 miles ahead of, num of the second-place pair. So it's going really well. My fear is he's just busted gut and they're just going to collapse anyway. But anyway, it's going well at the moment. The thing is, 3,000 miles, 
from the Canaries to Antigua across the Atlantic. It takes about 40, 50 days, and, uh, and they're 10 days out at the moment. He's doing it with his mate there called Max. This is Max's second time rowing the uh, Atlantic Challenge. Uh, he took part in 2017. Dave's never done it before. Max did it two years ago. In 2017, Max didn't make it because his boat capsized. There was a, there was a, a freak storm and, uh, and then a rogue wave and the boat was capsized and then uh, it caught fire. So uh, it wasn't that funny, actually. <laughs> was, uh, I've seen the video. It wasn't that very funny. And, uh, but anyway, he's okay because obviously he's having another go at the moment. And um, anyway, the distress beacon was activated. They were rescued eventually by an oil tanker. Now, it happens that guys who drive, drive, sail, whatever you do, to oil tankers, aren't very good at rescuing people in boats. So actually the rescue probably was more hairy than the, uh, the problem in the first place. But anyway, they survived, and we're all rather hoping and praying that Max and my God son Dave, uh, for them, that lightning won't strike twice on this trip across the Atlantic. Now, the <clears throat> thing is, Max and his crewmate in 2017... Uh, had a saviour in the shape of a 250 metre long, 110,000 tonne oil tanker. We have a saviour in the shape of, let's say, a seven pounds little baby boy lying in a manger in Bethlehem. His name is Jesus. He was given that name before he was born. And Jesus is the Greek version of the Hebrew word Joshua. And it means the Lord saves. It's like he had a, a label or a, or a notice attached to him as well as his name. And I've got a badge here. It says uh, Phil Moon, vicar. It's got my name and it's got what I do. And it's like Jesus had a badge. Jesus. Oh, by the way. Saviour. That's who he was. That's what he came to do. Jesus, Saviour. Now, I, I quite like labels and things, and sometimes you come across quite, uh, quite funny ones. So, so I've got a few here. Um, I'll just give you three, okay? The one I like best, I think, is on the door of a delivery suite in a hospital. Push. I'll tell you the other two. <laughs> uh, on a plumber's van, we repair what your husband fixed. <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, rather sadly, on a health food shop window, a health food shop window closed due to illness. <clears throat> but look, Jesus had a notice, a label, a badge, a sign, an announcement. It's there in verse 21. Uh, of our reading there. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He'd been born to save his people from their sins. He is a wonderful saviour. How? Well, when he was 33 or thereabouts. The tide of public opinion turned against him. The religious leaders came up with a load of trumped-up charges uh, to pressurise the Romans and get them to crucify him. And the Roman authorities weren't strong enough to resist a local religious fervour, and Jesus was crucified. And as he died, Christians believe uh, that uh, the Bible teaches that he was bearing the punishment, the penalty, for his people's sins. 
Don't like the word sin? It's a bit old-fashioned. It's a bit religious, isn't it? Well, try shortcomings, or rebellion, or selfishness and pride, or thoughtlessness, or crucifying creation, or ignoring God and think that you can do okay without him. This baby, this Christmas baby, is a wonderful saviour, born to be the saviour of the world. It's in his name. It's what it means. A wonderful Saviour. Someone said at Christmas time, when we receive presents we don't really need, God offers us a gift we cannot do without. And I'd love to tell you more. Um, we're here every Sunday. Do uh, come back to one of the other services over Christmas. Or um, just by the doors as you leave, there are these books. They're entirely free. Do take one uh, by uh, a guy who lives just over in Eastbourne, actually. He's written a really good little booklet here to tell us more about Christmas. Or if you'd like to find out, and if you'd like to find out <clears throat> more, we're running a course starts on the 8th of January called Uncover, which helps us to uncover more about what Christianity and about what Christmas are really about. So, Jesus, wonderful conception of a wonderful Saviour. Have a wonderful Christmas.